Okay, if you want a title this morning, it's called Feeding from the Breast of the Lord. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I was to, if I was to try and count them, there's no, absolutely no way I could count them. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 139, 17. They outnumber the grains of the sand. But this is the interesting thing. When I awake, I'm still with you. Doesn't matter where I go, whether I sleep or I awake, you're there. The psalmist also says, where can I go from your spirit? So there is no getting away from God. Some men run from God, others run to God. And for those who run towards God, it doesn't matter if you sleep or awake, you can always be in the thoughts of God, whether awake or asleep. It's true. Now, I've said to you, the last couple of months I've been trying to tune my voice, uh, sorry, tune my ears to the voice of God. And knowing that when you do this and try this, you'll get things right, you'll get things wrong. Now, when God wants to speak to you and, and you're training your voice, God doesn't speak always in the way that you want him to speak. And he'll speak to you about many different things. It's something that Jonathan David taught me a long time ago. And I forgot, but I had the experience this week, and it was interesting. Cutting a long story short, because it is a long story short, I'm learning to become a biomass engineer. What that is, is that heating system we've got next door is run by biomass. It's not run by gas or electric. This thing that keeps you warm in the morning, it's not run by gas. It's not run. And it's, it's a, a source of amusement and amazement to most engineers when you talk to them. But the biomass, simply because we've had different kind of problems, I'm beginning to understand certain things about this heating system. It's a pain in the backside, but it also it's brilliant. So anyway, I've been trying to tune my ears into the, in, into the, the mind of God, the thoughts of God. And we've had a, a certain problem on this heating system. And it wasn't because I'm an engineer I made this conclusion. But I said to myself, the pump, the left-hand pump is not working to its maximum capacity. That was my inclination, that was my thought, that was in my mind. So I had the, had the engineer out, and he was playing for a couple of hours, and I said to him, I actually think it's the pump. You know, when, when an engineer visits a house, and the guy in the house tells the engineer what the problem is, it's not always going to go well with you. The engineer looks at you and says to say, what do you know? Me, the engineer, you're not. But this guy's a real nice lad, and uh, he's playing around with it, and uh, we're, we're talking through, and I know he's been there for about two, two and a half hours. He says to me, I think it's the left-hand pump. I said, yeah, so do I. I said, I had this suspicion that it was this pump, and it's not working. It's, yeah, he said, what happens is, is when the heat comes into this building... The building says, or upstairs says, I want all the heat. And downstairs says, you can't have it. Because we need it downstairs. And then the cafe next door says, stuff you two, we want it. <laughs> so three parts of the building is fighting for this heat. Right? So he says, I think you might need a new pump. And I went, yes. Not we need a new pump, but yes, I was right. And I'm beginning to tune my thoughts. God must be able to speak to us about anything. About anything. God just isn't only spiritual. God is spiritual. But God, if he's going to speak, must be able to give you wisdom and knowledge for your situation. Amen? So, you know, there's nothing spiritual about past the pump on the left-hand side. Pasaduce, right? But there's everything spiritual about it. Why? Because it's another way of me tuning in to the voice of the Lord. I didn't sit there and go, now what's the problem with this heating system? Now let me try and work out the flow. I haven't got time to do that. I'm not interested in that. But something says the pump's not working. Now, I'm right, so it's a victory. But it's not a victory because it's going to cost us money. But at least we got to the source and I tuned in. So now what I'm learning to do is when I have random thoughts, I say to myself, Lord, is this you or is it me? Yeah. I'm beginning to arrest the thought much quicker now because I'm getting 
on the page. I may not have the clarity at this point, but at least I'm thinking now, is this you, Lord, speaking, or is this just the voice of my own imagination? Because the voice of your own imagination needs silencing at times, but when you're onto something, you have to listen to it because it it can lead you to the voice of the Lord. So you're going to get a lot of strange thoughts in your head, right? That doesn't mean to say it's God. I'm telling you that now. But God uses the spirit of your mind to speak to you about the things in his heart. And you have to follow the thread. And if you're not sure, just start praying about it and let God clarify. And what's the worst thing can happen? What is the worst thing can happen if you were wrong? You were wrong. Nothing, no one got hurt. But before you start speaking to anybody about it, saying, I think I've got the word, make sure it is the word. Because if you start telling everybody it's the word and it's not the word, then there is problems. So be smart, be wise, follow it through. And then God, let God then begin to confirm and affirm what it is he's saying to you. This is how we all have to learn to tune in to the voice of the Lord. You know, I'm not walking down the road one day and I hear a voice transmitting. Where is that you, Lord? Speak your servant here. No, it comes in our imagination, comes in our mind, comes as a thought. It might come as a strong dominant thought. It might come as a casual thought. Hello? And the more you think about it, then you give it life. And the more you give it life, then you can then give it direction. And the more you give it direction, then you can then start to say, Lord, is this you speaking? And then God will speak to you in other ways and confirm what he's speaking. Do the forensics. Yeah? 2 Peter 1. You see, I'm giving God's... I can't keep saying God's word is precious to me, how precious are his thoughts, if I never give them a second thought. Yes? If something's precious, I give it attention. I protect it. I give it attention. Amen? Anybody, anybody got anything precious? Right, look how much time and attention you spend. Something's precious. To me, a Saturday afternoon with my two granddaughters is precious. I protect it. Why? Because it's precious. They're only small ones. And I get a second chance to do the things I didn't do with my own kids. So 2 Peter chapter 1, his divine power. What kind of power is it? It's divine. And it's given us everything we need. Everything we need for life. Stop there. For life. There's first life. So I needed knowledge for the boiler. Now at the end of the day, the engineer was going to sort out that boiler come what may. It really didn't matter whether I got involved or not, but it was from my, this is my training ground. Yes? I'm not going into biomass. Biomass came to me. <coughs> so now, I know the boiler. Okay, that's just one thing. God's given me everything for life. So I've now got to find out what that means. I've got to find out how do I know what's been given to me for life. It's my job now, on my journey, your journey, to find out what that means. Lord, show me. You said you give me everything for life. What does that actually mean? Take me on that voyage. Then he says, I give you everything for godliness. That's another voyage. You've given me everything for life I need. So young people in, in university, college, school, whatever you're going through, God's giving you everything for life. You've got to know what is given you, so, you, so then you know then how to apply it. True? It's giving you everything for godliness. How do I combine my godliness to my life? I need wisdom. I need to know what that means so I can look godly and be godly before those I live with and do work with and pal around with. So it's given me, it's given me everything for life and godliness through our knowledge of him called by his own glory and goodness. Here's the key now. Ready? Through these, he has given us his great, precious promises. So not only to give me everything for life and God, it's give me promises. Yeah. And the more I know the promises, the more I can find the way to 
the right context. Because every promise has a context. And every promise has a condition. Right? This is where so many charismatic believers think they can just name and claim, blab it and grab it. Everything has a context. Right? You get the wrong word in the wrong context, you're only going to get frustration. So if you appropriate the word in the right context and believe and do not doubt, that's another context. So what I, be- what I ask for, I must believe and, re- and believe by faith because what's the point of asking, the Bible says. So if I receive, knowing that I've received it, I can then begin to start using it. So I've received everything, fruit for life and godliness, through these great precious promises. You know, when the Bible says, I will, live, I, I will love you, I will uh, lead you, and I will carry you through, that's a promise. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I must know uh, in my life how to stand on that promise and declare that promise over my life. Yeah, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm, I'm coming back for your church. Don't worry. Just stay there. Dad's going away for a while. Don't worry, you're not on your own now. You've got maturity. You're able to handle this life. But I'm coming back. So expect me, I'm coming back. So I expect the Father to keep his word. Amen? He's coming back. I think the church has lost sight of this. Now here's the key. You ready for this? Not only has he given us his great precious promises, that through them you may participate. Now, here's the word meaning get involved. To participate means you're actively involved with what God has supplied. Yes? I am a participant of grace. I am a participant of love. In other words, I can use and I'm fully involved with what God is giving me. Not in every area of my life, but I'm using what's being given. Does that make sense? Many people, though it's been made available, you can't honestly say every believer has participated or is participating. Yes? When I got saved and and became born again, Jesus Christ supplied to me the gift of faith. He gave it to me. I didn't ask for it. It came. He gave me all that was needed for salvation. Right? So I did partake without me realizing it. Yes? I just took what seemed logic to me, but it was given to me. And then later read through my knowledge of God that even the decision I made... Something was given to me in order for me to make that decision. Yes? Now I'm aware of it through my knowledge. I can find out, well, okay, if you supplied that, what else will you supply? And the more I keep walking and the more I keep growing and knowing, the more I can participate and look for what's been supplied. That's why his thoughts are precious to me. Do you understand this? So to be an ongoing participant... I must keep on growing. Yeah. I said, I must keep on growing with my knowing. Yeah. Not all knowing causes people to grow. No, but in your knowing of God, you must grow in God. Yeah. Knowing and growing must go together. So that in order to know, I must participate and partake. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. If I don't participate, I can't, you know, get, you know, to enjoy the game, you've got to be in it. This afternoon, I'll watch the game probably. But I'll be involved. I'll be sat there watching my team like he's going to bring me on. Pep's going to bring me on in the last five minutes because oh, I'm part of the youth academy. Yeah. Pep's going to bring me on in the last five minutes. I won't have my socks and my shorts on. I won't go too far. I won't scare the mother-in-law. But I'll sit there expecting and participating like I'm there. I'm the 12th man. That's what they call the crowd. The 12th man. Yeah? I'll watch it. I'll get, it. I'll get a little bit irate from time to time. With the father-in-law, obviously. Now I won't. I sit there these days and I hardly say anything until they score. And then I jump and dance and kiss everybody in the room and love. I share the love. 
And so far, we've had a lot to kiss and love about this year. But I'm talking about football for someone who's just zoned out there. <laughs> talking about... <laughs> Meanwhile, back on, back on the thing. These have been given. These promises have been given so we may participate, get involved. Amen? Participate in what? The divine nature. God's divine nature. Go from me to you. Do you remember the, you know the, the kids' program called the Chuckle Brothers? Yeah. Maybe some of you don't know that. It's two, two guys who just act like kids. And the fra famous phrase is, from me to you, to you to me, from me to you, and it just keeps going backwards and forwards. But God's divine nature has been given to us. So then you can give it to him, to them, to share it. So we, we constantly must partake from this divine nature. It's the only nature God wants you to partake from. It's divine. I'm not divine. There's only one guy I know called divine. He was called Sydney. However, that's just going right over your heads. I know that. But... <laughs> All right. Rewind the tape. Who's Sydney divine? Doesn't matter. The point is this. Every day I can feed from the negativity of the press. I can feed from the negativity of my work environment. Not mine, mine's okay, but your work environment. I can feed from a, a wide host of negative environments, yeah. or I can choose to feed yeah. from a divine source. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I can't ignore the environment I work in. But because I work in that environment, it doesn't mean to say that environment has to be inside me. There is a way that I can be involved in, in an environment that's not necessarily great. It's, it might be toxic at times, but there's a way I can overcome. There is a way. Now, I don't walk around in, you know, every time someone swears and they'll go, oh, bless Jesus, forgive them, forgive them. Don't, don't, be, don't be a nutter. Just learn to hold yourself. They said it, not you. If fire came down from heaven, if it ever did come down from heaven, it's all right, it won't miss, it knows how to hit. Okay, so chill out. Fire's not coming down from heaven. Someone swears, they swear. Big deal. Did it come out of your mouth? No, right. Don't worry about it. Get on. Be bigger than that. Mature up. Man up. Yeah? You want to work in a factory sometimes. The only language they speak is blue. It's the only colour they know, which is fine. And after a while, I just get word blind to it. Word deaf, should say, to it. It's just an environment. Doesn't mean to say it has to be inside you. Why? Because I'm partaking from a different nature. I used to be part of that nature. That, I used to be the ringleader. Seriously, seriously did. You, some of you have heard my testimony. God had to take me out of that environment and reestablish my testimony in the midst of that factory. And it was a testimony. So when I left, it was, it was glorious. God literally took me from the floor and, and put me my feet high up on a rock and, and, and restored my testament in the midst of all kinds of nonsense that had gone on. And it's okay, we work in these environments. We're meant to be salt and light. Amen? So I don't mind. In fact, the dirtier the environment, the better it is for us. Because we grow. We grow environments like that. I'm not saying I want dirt, people, that, but I'm realist. That's the world. So I don't mind about how dirty they are. You just stay clean. Participate in the divine nature. And that's what he says. And escape the corruption. What did he say? In the world. You're in the world, but you're not of it. You're in the world, but the world doesn't have to be in you. So he says you'll escape through these. He has given us his great precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You do not escape the evil corruption and the desires of this world by not going to work. Let me make that clear. You don't escape these things by staying at home. Well, I'll turn the telly on. It's coming. It, breathe oxygen. It's sinful oxygen, if I use that phrase. And it's not oxygen, it's oxygen. But every part of society is contaminated. Amen? Every part. You cannot stay at home. You cannot not go to work. You've got to work. You've got to go out. Fine. 
Because why? What's inside you is greater than what's inside the world. He that who lives inside you is greater than he who lives in the world. So the question you ask is, we know where he lives, but where do you live? I live in the world. I live in the world. I live on planet Earth. This is my world. I live in Manchester, and I live where I live, in the house I live, where the people I live. This is planet Reelsville. Amen? People next door to me come from a different kind of world. But we all live on the same planet. And they tell me sometimes to get a life. And I've got a life. I've got a life. And I've got a great life. And sooner or later, the life that they're pursuing is going to come up empty. And that might give me a great opportunity to speak about the life I've been living. And you might find the same. So, I want to talk to you about this feeding from the breast. Because if we're going to live in this world, we have to feed on what's pure. From what's pure. Last week I spoke a lot about Isaiah. Let me just give you that scripture again. So, for those who are just tuning in, Isaiah 46, verses 3 and 5, and he says this, Listen to me. So God was after their attention. O house of Jacob. Now you could put your name in there and then you could say this about your house. All who remain in the house of your name. I have upheld you since you were conceived and have carried you since birth. Even to your old age, even to your grey hairs, I am he. I am he who will stain you. I have made you and I'll carry you and I'll sustain you and I'll rescue you. What a promise. You can't get any stronger than that commitment. From my, from my gray hairs, some of my gray hairs. From, so basically, from the breast to your gray hairs, I'm going to carry you, I'm going to sustain you. I have carried you. I will continue to carry you. I'll watch over you. I have watched over you, but I'll continue to do it. And he gives this, this commitment to you. Why? Because he wants you to partake of his nature. Amen? Now, in order for him to carry, to sustain, in order to feed you, you have to keep partaking. That's the issue. You can't become passive. And God has to be the participator. That doesn't work like that. The Christian walk does not work like that. You could not be inactive and in be active. You've got to be a participer in the nature so that the nature can flow to you. So that you work out, here's the, here's the phrase, you work out what God is working in. You must work out what God is working in. You must work out what God is working in. So Isaiah makes his promise, or I should say, God speaks through the prophet Isaiah to Israel. So then, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, there's quite a few scriptures here, so you just might want to listen and just write the scripture down. Like newborn babies, he says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. What kind? Pure spiritual milk milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So here we see Peter speaking to the church here. This was, Peter when he wrote this letter, was writing an ongoing command to them. Why? Because he knew there was all kind of false teachers coming into the church. So he tells them, guys, you need pure spiritual milk. Yeah. Not the stuff that these boys are selling. Yeah. Not, the, not the stuff that these boys are peddling. And you know what? That still goes on today. Yeah. So he's saying there is a pure milk, there is a pure spiritual milk that you must crave. Now, every believer thinks they past spiritual milk. But this morning, you're going to realize I'm not. You're not. I'm not insulting your intelligence. I'm just teaching you what scripture says. Okay? Like pure, milk is a good place for feeding. Yes? It's a good place for us to feed. Now, the guy who wrote this has already been part of what happened in Acts chapter 2. He says, and they devoted themselves. Okay? What did they devote themselves to? Teaching, 
Where does the milk come through? Teach him. They devoted themselves to fellowship. What is fellowship? Fellowship is not eating food. Fellowship is around like-minded people who carry the same word, who feed from the same breast. That's fellowship. The church today has said, let's have some food and we'll call it fellowship. No, let's just call a cafe. That's called having some food. Amen? That doesn't mean to say, you don't have to be spiritual to have food. Yeah? However, so he wants us, they devoted themselves to the teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to what? Oh, hang on, breaking of bread. Now, breaking of bread might seem a little bit more tougher than milk. But the breaking of bread centralized Christ. It brought them to the focus of who Christ is, what Christ was doing, and what Christ had done. And it brought them a central central focus for them to keep participating. It gave reason for why they were still doing what they were doing. Amen? So the breaking of bread. And then he says, and everyone to prayer. And everyone was filled with oil. In other words, everyone was getting their feed. Hello? Everyone was getting their feed. Can you see that? And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, which is a miracle. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave anyone who had need. Again, a miracle. This is a supernatural... Excuse me, my stomach's rumbling here. Talking about food. This was a supernatural feed... And this was a supernatural church that was beginning to hit the face of the earth. Now, you've heard me say this before and I'll say it again. Because it's coming to my mind as I'm saying it. Jesus started the church the way he wanted it. And now he wants it the way he started it. So we go back to the original pattern. The one that he started because that's the way he wanted it. Now he wants his church the way he started it. Jesus said, I'll build my church. But Jesus is not building every church. So you and I need to know which church Jesus is building. I'm not interested in the one he's not building. But I do need to know the one he's building. Why? Because that's a good place I need to be. Amen? If, now, if he's building his church, is he building the church the way he started it? Or is the church now being built according to the way the people like it? We can't have the church the way people like it or the people want it. Then it becomes a church for the people. Amen? And people's needs and wants and likes and dislikes change. Of course you do. So we have to build according to the right pattern. The pattern, what was the pattern? The one that he gave to the apostles. The one that started the whole thing. That's the original (laughs) bottle of milk. That God put on the earth to feed the church. He says, if you keep feeding them from this bottle then the church will grow up and mature. They had everything in common, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Wow, there's a feature just on its own. When was the last time you walked in the church when everyone was glad? Some are sad, some are mad. But these lot were all glad. Praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, here's the issue. The Lord added to their number daily those being saved. Right. So those who God added to their number, those who were daily being saved, what do we do with them? What do we do with them? Well, The answer is very simple. You have to feed them on the same bottle that these were fed on. Okay? So the milk consistency stays the same. That's why not every church feeds milk. Because it changes the bottle according to the crowd. Now, the problem is, number number two problem is, so many people come to, uh, come to church today are transitionary growth. In other words, we've all come from a strange planet far, far away. We've all got history. We've all got baggage. We've all got opinions. True? Is that not true? Many of us 
We're not saved in this church. So we've all come from somewhere. I came from a brethren background. Did anyone get saved in the brethren? I think I just did. Some of you might come from a Catholic background. Some of you may come, may, never came from a church background. You just came from the world. It doesn't matter. We all got here. But the fact that we've all made a journey and we've all got here, it means we've drank from many bottles and we've eaten all kinds of food. So in many ways, we need a detox. But you try and detox believers. You cannot detox believers. Why? Because I'm entitled to my opinion. You can't tell me I can't watch Christian TV. No, I can't. And why would I? It's up to you. You've got the power of remote control. I've got the greatest power in our house. It's called the remote control. And I just want that. No. Jog on. Keep running. That power is a fantastic power. The power of the remote control. Just that little flick. And I can surf the world. So the point is, if we can't detox people, and how do we detox people? Through discipleship. So you say to someone, I've been a Christian 10 years, well, would you like to go through our discipleship? Oh, I'm past that. What do you mean you're past it? That's the number one sign, straight away. Okay. The very fact that you'd say that says it all. When I first came here, I'd had knowledge. I'd had a little bit of theology. And because I'd had that, I thought I knew it all. And then I realized I knew nothing with what I knew. But the battle inside me was arrogance. I might know what they know. I might already find out, actually, what you're teaching. I've already come through. But the heart says, if I'm going to be part of this family, I'll go through it. Yeah, maybe I'll learn something. What's the worst thing can happen? You learn what you already knew. Amen? So it shows that you're on the right path. Duh. Well, I wasted. So you didn't waste. You didn't waste. It was an opportunity. But some people don't do that. Everyone has baggage. Some of you bring your baggage to church and leave it on the back table. I mean physical baggage. You'll leave your bag. You'll leave, the, there's a bag in there. Sometimes I think, can I touch that as a terrorist been in? <laughs> but you'd be surprised how many bags we clear up. And, people, and you, never, you never miss it. I'm thinking, when I'm taking my kids to school, or this would, I would have been thinking when I was taking the kids to school, where's Ben's coat? Where's he left it? Right? But some of you, kids leave the coats here, and they're there for two or three weeks. I'm thinking, what does the kid go to school with? Because I know your kid's coat's been there for three weeks. And I'm thinking, I'm going to open my own charity shop with all the stuff that you lot leave behind. It's amazing what gets left behind here. And yet you lose your phone straight away. Pastor, there's my phone here. Absolutely. No, we sold it. No, we've not seen it. The problem is, is you must be able to upgrade the people. Now, here's my biggest concern. Do you know what it is? We're so quick to see what we interpret as the Lord adding to our number. If we had an insight to what that meant. We think a new person in the church, the Lord is adding to our number. Just hold on there, Kimo Savvy. Not everything that comes through the door is material. Now, only a pastor could talk like this. Well, surely we want more people in the church. No, we want more people living Christ. Now, here's the issue. Ready for this? You might like this, you might not like it. But I'm the one with the microphone. It's not how many people you can add to your church. It's how much word you can add to the people. When people, because of their opinions, will not let the word be added unto them, 
then they can't add to the church. Basic 101. We must be able to add the word to your life. We didn't say come to church to hear. We said add. So when we say, what did you do with the word? See, many of you take notes and it's a wonderful thing to do. But unfortunately for some of us, that's all they become. They just become notes on a piece of paper. And then you take some next week and then you've got a full book. Great. And that's a good discipline to take notes, providing you use them. Sit down with those notes in your quiet time and go through those. You mean I can do that? Yes. That's called feeding from the bottle. Well, God can speak to me. I can read anything. Of course he can. Of course he can. We're not saying that this is the only way. We're saying... Let's start the way. Use your notes as a good start. And then as you feel God speaks to you in other areas, hey, turn to a different book. You you rebellious agent, you. Let God speak to you from a whole vast sources. Yeah? But start there. What did pastor say yesterday? Or what did anybody else who, who spoke yesterday? What did they say? I'm going to go through that word. I'm going to pray into that word. Good. Now you're feeding from the bottle. And now God can now add the word to you. Because this morning, you were taking notes, and I know what that's like, believe me. I know it's like sitting in one building a whole week, all day, taking notes. I know, I've got that down. But then I have to come home so the word can be added to me. Because at that point when I'm writing notes, I'm just catching, putting them down. And sometimes, when Papa Jonathan speaks, and he starts, and it hits me, I just think, oh, Papa, that's it. Then I've got to put my pad down, and I've got to start thinking about it. Because now it's hitting me on the inside. And that's when I lose what he's saying. Then I've got to go back to the CDs to start all over again. So revelation comes to us a whole bunch of ways. So this morning you might be writing notes down. But there has to come a point when that word gets added. And it's in the point when that word gets added, then it starts going deep. Amen? Because I know when you listen, just like when I do... If it's not warm in here, or it's too warm in here, or something gets you distracted, your mind's everywhere. And you smile, you've all learned to do that. <laughs> We've all done it. I've counted the tiles. I can tell you how many tiles are on the ceiling. I can't tell, I'm not telling you. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how many of these things are on the floor. The point is, we've all done it, because at times, people get boring. Not me, of course, but I'm talking about other people. You've got a, you came to church with a thousand things in your brain. I want you to leave with one thing. But you came with a thousand things. I understand that. Why? Because I'm like you. But there has to be a point when this word gets added to your life. And at that point, if the word can never, if all you ever want is a promise to make you feel nice, the word's not added. The word has to do, it has to hit the internal you seen this? Yeah. It has to it the internal man, the internal dynamics. We're trying to build from that same bottle that the apostles taught the early church. That's it. So, when you get two crowds of people those who were just added to the church and those in the church where the word has been added, you'll get dissension, fractions, and gossip. Because now you've got two crowds coming into the temple or the church. Because opinions are stronger in those who carry them. And they'll always say, well, what you said this morning, yeah, well, I've got my own opinion. Of course you've got your own opinion I didn't ask you to submit your brain. That's yours. What's the one thing I always tell you about your thoughts? If anybody ever tells you to close your eyes and empty your mind, walk out. Don't ever give your mind to somebody. Just empty your mind. Open your thoughts. Open your palms. Bye. That's the only time I'm going to open my palms. You must guard your mind. It's yours. It's the door. You do not open your mind to anything. Okay? I say open your heart, not your mind. 
Now, if you want broad-minded thinking, then the word's got to be added. What people want is, just bless my heart. Nothing wrong with blessing your heart, but the word's got to be added so we can take you a little bit deeper. Yes? So, we don't want division, gossip, slander, because of these two crowds. So we have to set the water level. And those who don't like feeding from the bottle, well, then we'll obviously go and find somewhere. They'll find a bottle of their choosing. I think it was the Chinese, maybe two years ago. Might someone quote me, uh, tell me if I'm wrong. And they were uh, found to have contaminated the baby milk. They were putting plastic in the baby food. Can you imagine that? Baby sucking on plastic. Now, good old Chinese, as they normally are, it's somebody's fault, and we will find them, but it can't be us. But did it come from China? Ah, that's not the point. So somebody did get to go to prison, which is unusual in China. <laughs> and uh, so somebody got done for it, but the people who did it, who sanctioned it, never were brought into accountability. So the problem is with that is, if you can add things that are not right to this milk, you'll cause problems for those feeding. So the emphasis now is back on the teachers or the pastors or the shepherds, and God holds them accountable for what they're feeding the flock. Because I don't want, I value your trust of me. Because I know that in order for God to give me a ministry amongst people, God has to do something in your heart. Because I have no reason, I have no right to expect you to listen to me. No right. Why would you? So if God doesn't do something in your heart and mind through what God gives to me to say to you, that trust factor is something I value. Yes? And you don't know how much trust you had until you lost it. And I only have to do one thing to lose your trust or put suspicion in your mind. And guess what? Feeding you from that point on becomes very difficult. It's true. So I must never make sure that I leave my spoon in the wrong jar. If I'm going to feed you, and I'm not saying you're babies, but we're using the illustration that it says. I'm going to feed you. I cannot put my spoon in a corrupt, faulty, contaminated jar. And it's so easy to do. I have to make sure that what I'm receiving from heaven and what I'm receiving from uh, my, my spiritual dad, who I talk to quite often, I've got to make sure that what that spoon, what's fed and, and has caused these people in this house to grow, stays clean. Yeah. Despite what other people might say about those places and people, I've got to keep my spoon clean. Amen? So that you know... What bottles are not clean? Because once you've tasted it, you see that the Lord is good. Once you've tasted. If we can add some things, you can taste some things and then you can see. But if you're tasting everything and you're going to a KFC all-you-can-eat buffet on a Sunday, then guess what? You're only going to get salts and sugars. And sugars make all the activity in the church seem like we're doing something. We don't want hyperactive, active, active, but we do want active. Yeah. Let's not do it. Let's do it. We're not, before you know it, the church is just doing a thousand things, but efficient and productive in nothing. Let's do the right things at the right time with the right people at the right time, getting the right results. Amen? Rather than being become busy fools. So, the first taste that you must develop in your life, if you're going to feed, if you're going to feed accurately, the first taste you must develop is the taste for apostolic doctrine. Some of you just go, I haven't got a clue what that means. Don't worry. Don't worry. You must tune your ear. What you're receiving from the Lord we are, you know, you can smell curry a mile off, can't you? Can you? Can you smell bacon? 
Now, when you smell bacon, do you know if it's thin, fat, rind? Do you know if it's uh, smoked, unsmoked? You don't. You smell bacon. And bacon takes you in a certain direction. It takes you to the direction where bacon flows. So let's just say the food that you've been feeding from is bacon in origin. Right? You at least have a distinct smell for what you've tasted before. Right? As you get closer, you'll be able to discern whether it's smoked or unsmoked. Whether it's thin or it's thick cut. You'll be able to discern, but once you must get the smell inside of you so you know what's good and what's not good. Does that make sense? The closer you get to the bacon, you can fine-tune. And when you get to the bacon, when you finally just partake of the bacon, guess what? She'll say, can I have some money? There has to be a cost. Yeah? Go to the man that's selling the bacon and just say, oh, please, sir, can I have your bacon? It smells so nice. He's going to say that'll be two fifty for a bacon sandwich. Two fifty. he calls it the divine exchange. <laughs> you divine your change. Exchange your change. Right? He's not going to give it you for nothing. Only Christians who have never been had the word added to them think it's free. Look at your faces now. There's always a cost. So he who receives much. Right. There's an expectation from Father for you to do something with what you've received. It's called participating in the divine nature. It's getting involved. Yesterday, I texted my granddaughters to um, Alderley Edge in the big forest out there. So we come suited and booted. They got the wellies on. We're, we're there for every eventuality. The kids are there. So there's a path. I say, stay on the path, kids, because over there is muddy. But they got wellies on. So what does that mean? Path is not fun. Mud is fun. So they're in the wellies. And then Harper, being only Harper, the youngest one, decides that she sticks, and, and you know when the, when the foot's coming out the wellies, because the, the mud's now, then she does that, boom. So now the mud's up there. She's full in. That girl's committed. She goes all the way. It would have been easy for her just to stick on the path, but no, she's got to have an experience. Participating means getting fully involved. Right? Even if you have to get your hands dirty, you can always get them washed down the lane. As we found, there was a, a horse trough. So guess what I granddad did? <laughs> Grandads can get away with anything. <laughs> so, you must develop this taste. So like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. And by it, you may grow up in your salvation. So that's milk. In 1 Corinthians 3, 2, he says, I gave you milk, not solid food. I gave you the easy part. I gave you what was considered to be easy for you, but you're still not ready. You're still not ready, he says to the church. Why aren't they ready? He says it very clearly. Because you're still worldly. So go back to partaking from the divine nature, what does it say at the, end, at the back end of that verse so that you can escape the corruption of this evil world? So it's possible to stay in church, but your nature never change. Now, why is it possible to stay in church and your, never, your nature never change? I'll tell you why is because it's possible to come to church to hear the word, but never let the word be added to you. So if the word is never added to you, your nature never changes. So you still, stay, still remain the same person you was and have always been. So what does that mean, a new nature? It means that the moment you become a Christian, there's a war that goes on inside of you. It's called the old you 
and the new you versus the new you. The old and new will have a conversation with you every day. Do we have to go to church? Do we have to pray? Do we have to do this? Do we have to do that? The new nature says, but I want to pray. I should pray. I long to pray. The old nature says, no, you don't. So the new nature says, I'm going to pray. The old nature says, as soon as you open your Bible, oh, you forgot, you forgot something. Uh, you left the washing on. So now it'll distract you to go to your washing. Right? And it'll fight you at every point because it doesn't want you to add to your new nature. It wants to, the old nature wants to dictate to you and feed you at every point it can. So this war that goes on inside of you, we all have to face it. Yes? And then the old nature says, this is the biggest one the old nature says, but I'm entitled to it. Now let's go, let's go to the, the diet. The diet says, the, 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 you know, the rational mind says this. I said the sensible mind says, that's got a thousand calories. That's not good for me. But then the irrational mind turns around, but you deserve that. Why? You walked here, you burnt some calories off. In fact, you're burning calories right now just looking at it. Right? So and now it'll make, negotiate with it. It now becomes the inward terrorist that lives on ins, inside you. And it, will not, it does not want you to compromise. It does not want you to negotiate. It wants to take you captive. That's called the old nature. It wants to please itself. It does not please God. So you have this fight inside of you. The two natures. So the point is, if you're going to add to your faith, you've got to add the word no. Add the word no to your faith. No, I'm not going that way. No, I'm not eating a thousand calories. I can have a bacon butty, it's only 500 calories. (laughs) You've got to learn to say no. And then the old nature says, but it's not fair. The new nature says, ha, but fair is not a fruit of the spirit. (laughs) But it's not nice. The old new nature says, ha, but nice is not a fruit of the spirit. So you've got to have this dialogue inside of your spirit every day. Because it's trying to corrupt, it's like the Chinese, it's trying to put the plastic in the bottle, in the milk. It's trying to corrupt you at source. Now we all fight with this battle every day. But Jesus overcame. And because he overcame, you can overcome. And he gave you the Holy Ghost so that you could overcome. So right now we say milk, 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 milk. Then he says this. I'm coming to a close, honest. So don't leave me about what we're doing. Stay there. Then he says this. Give me a second. Then he says this. So he uses the word milk, but then he says solid food. And then Hebrews 5.12, it says this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to come and teach you elementary truth. So we're gone from milk to solid food. Solid food is not meat. Ah. You thought, well, I'm not on meat, I must be on, I'm not on um, milk, I must be on solid, I must be on meat. No, you're not. There's a level between it called solid food. Solid food is not meat, scripturally. I'll tell you why, I'll show you in a minute. The elementary truths all over again. You need milk, not solid. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. Oi. Got any mature people here? Are you sure? Are you going to get ready for this verse? Who by constant use... Not Sunday. Not Sunday. Not Christian channel. Not every, every day with Jesus. Constant, you're not, those things are wrong, but they're not going to take you beyond. Come on. They're useful to a point. And I think, I'm not decrying us using those. 
But to a point, everything has a context. Who by constant use, what does constant mean? Repetitive. Right? Who participate in the divine nature, who do it constantly. We who have trained themselves. They've trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. What am I trying to do? We're tuning my, my, my ears into the voice of God. I am training myself to hear God clearer for me and for you. I am training myself. Myself. No one told me to do it. I'm doing it. Why? Because I want to grow. I want to participate in the divine nature. So then he says, so we've got milk, solid food, and then Jesus finishes it all. For anyone who thought they were now off milk, off milk now they're on solid food, that meaning milk, meat, them thinking meat. Jesus says, my meat. My meat. Some translations say my food. But the true context of what Jesus was saying is, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. So meat people are the ones who do the will. Not just go to church. Because people go to church, but not always the word gets added. Yes? So the milk is always a good source. Yes? You know, sometimes it's good just to sit there and and let people say the basics of the faith, because it refreshes us. It's good for us. It's good for us to be humble, to let someone do that, and and, and think, oh, I never saw it that way. It's really nice the way they've they've explained that. I I wish I'd have realized that. Now I can use that. And then I get into solid food. But even solid food doesn't always cause me to do the will of the Father. So I can chew some meat. I've got a good set of gnashes. I've got a good brain. I can chew it over in my brain. But nowhere does it say you're still a doer. But when you come to the meat of the word, now you're doing the Father's will. Doing the Father's will is the ultimate. Jesus says, not my will, but your will be done. If this cup could pass from me, Not my will, Father, but your will be done. So, if we have milk believers, rejoice. 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 If we have solid food believers, rejoice. If we have meat-eating people who are doing the will of the Father, rejoice. Let's rejoice that those three natures are in the house. But let's take the milk believer to solid food. Let's take the solid food people to the meat. Let's take the people who are in the meat, let's take them to the place called complete. Yes? Let's stand to our feet. I trust that's helped you. I love talking like this. My challenge is to add. But I want, don't, don't ever say to me, Pastor, we've got 20 people coming to church this week. We're going to add the church. Listen, that just means 20 more people inside church. Now, that's, I'm not going to get negative over that. 20 people gives them an opportunity to come to new decisions and new choices. But don't think 20 people coming to church is our church has now got 20 new people. You can't lead people anywhere if, nothing, if you can't add to them. It's true. We found last, was it last year? I can't remember. When we talked about the elementary teachings, 90% of the church didn't know them. So they weren't, and most of those people would say, well, we're on solid food. No, you're not. If you don't know what the solid, you don't know what the elementary truths are, that's fine. As long as the first thing, be true to yourself. That's okay. No one's going to fire you. No one's going to shoot you. It's not an exam. But at least there's a lot of things I don't know. Too many things I don't know. You know, I've realized that there's more I don't know than I do know. 
And I'm sure you could say the same. But every now and then, God will test you on that. And so, okay, it's all right saying you don't, there's a lot of things you don't know, but are you willing to learn some new stuff? And if you're willing to learn some new stuff, I might need you to go get a plane and fly that way. And that's what happened to me when I went to Malaysia. I might have to go to Australia. You think, oh, all these places. Calm down. I hate flying, so it's not a great joy. But I do enjoy the relationships I get on the other side. Sometimes what I'm saying is you may have to leave your comfort zone and go and buy somebody a coffee to learn some things you need to know. I'll spend coffee, money on coffee, food. If I can impart or I can receive, I'll do it. Investing in people is the best investment you'll ever make. Seriously, but choose the people wisely. So let's raise our hands if we will. There's no cafe on today, so you've been fed. It was no paninis, but it was... I'll let you decide whether it was milk, meat, or solid food. It's up to you. If you can't swallow it, well, then obviously it's not milk. So, Father, right now, I lift this body to you. Lord, my, my heart for this church, your church, our church, is, Lord, you add your word to your people. Father, that's my heart this morning. I know it's your heart is to add the word to your people. Father, I'm not asking for another 20. I'm not asking for another 40. I'm not asking for another 60. I'm not asking for anything, Lord. Only the Lord that you'll add your word to the lives of your people. That you'll cause your people to grow. You'll cause your people to grow in stature. You'll cause your people to grow in wisdom. With knowledge and understanding. I pray, Father, Lord, there will be such a desire, Lord, to know, to grow, and to sow what they know, and, where, and, the, and, and to the level they've grown. Father, I pray, add your word right now in Jesus' name. Add your word. Give you more storage capacity, more capacity in the spirit of man, more capacity, oh God, in the heart of these believers, Lord, who have stood before you. Lord, I ask the Holy Spirit to search everyone and see where there is capacity. See where there is desire. See where there is a place to grow. Father, and I pray, oh God, add the word. Even now, oh God, add the word. Water the word, church. Water what you're receiving. And God will add to you. Let God add to your life. Oh, Father. Anybody want some adding, addition? Anybody want new things in their hearts? God to sow deeper this year. Come on, just raise those holy hands. Show the Holy Spirit the desire of your heart this morning. Let God, let God show you. Let God show you there's more, there's more, there's more. This is the secret, church. This is the first key. You've been saying... Pastor, why have you been speaking on this for so many weeks about upgrade and update? Because I've been waiting to get you to a position where you're now ready to ask for an upgrade and an update. You're now at the point when, you, when, you, when things can be added, then you're at the point of an upgrade. You can't be upgraded if you won't let things be added. I've got far more to say on this, believe me. But we have to wait for the timing in the spirit to add. The upgrades and the updates are constantly available to us. But unfortunately, we as people are not always in that position. So Jesus knew when to do and when not to do. Jesus knew when to sow and when not to sow. Jesus knew when to speak and when not to speak. He knew how far to go. And as I'm listening to the Lord, I know I don't want to release all that I have before you're ready. Because it would be wrong and unwise of me to give all until you're ready. You know, the child wants the dessert before the main meal. This pastor's not ready to give you dessert until you've been fed properly. If we pay now, we'll do a lot of playing in the future.
But if we want to play instead of paying, we're going to be in trouble. We're not children. We just crave milk like children. There's difference. We're mature. And mature people should, the Lord should be able to add things to mature people. So right now, Father, let there be an increase, an update, an upgrade of capacity in your church. Let this be, oh God, in Jesus' name. Let it be. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. God bless you.